It's great to be an American, isn't it? Where we still have the freedom to be here today to worship our Lord, the one true God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're going to be preaching today on the Feast of Weeks. You know it maybe as Pentecost, but it actually was the Feast of Weeks that the Jews originally celebrated uh, the harvest. But then after Roman oppression, they began to celebrate it to look back to the giving of the law, the Pentateuch. Uh, and they were going to look ahead and they would look, they didn't know they were looking ahead, but also they were looking ahead to the uh, time the Holy Spirit would empower the church. So we're going to look at Leviticus chapter 23. Uh, Memorial Day was always the 30th until 1970, and then they made it the final Monday of the month, but a great day to remember those who have died so that we can have the freedom to be in the house of God today. And so many of those were believers, people who loved the Lord, a great percentage of our country at that time loved the Lord. But we're looking today at, as I said, Leviticus chapter 23. We're going to read verses 15 to 17 in a few moments. I heard about a couple that had been married for 50 years, and they were celebrating their 50th. And the man said to his wife, I found you tried and proved. And she didn't hear him and she leaned forward. He said, I found you tried and proved. She said, I'm kind of sick and tired of you too. <laughs> My grandfather loved the Muskegon Big Reds. He went to every football game. They read an article about him because he had not missed a game, I guess for 50 years. They had a, it's in the Muskegon Chronicle. And I remember going to his house, and if I said, I liked your red sweater, yeah, the big reds had a good year this year, he'd say. <laughs> he couldn't hear very well. And uh, sadly, he died of AIDS. He had one in each ear when he died. <laughs> Bad joke. Bad joke. But this, this wonderful feast, a feast of celebration, was called in the Hebrew Shavat, meaning weeks. And they had seven weeks. They would wait for seven weeks plus one day, 50 days. Uh, they were looking for the Lord's coming and they were remembering the past given of the law. Pentateuch, five, Pentecost, 50, 50 days after. And they would wait 50 days after the Feast of the First Fruits and then celebrate this Feast of Weeks. Now we know as we studied the feast, we studied the Feast of the Passover, which spoke of the death of Jesus Christ then the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, they would celebrate that on Friday, which spoke of the burial of Christ. And then the first fruits would speak of the resurrection of Christ. And not knowing the Jews would celebrate this feast, we know now what it was pointing to. It was pointing to the Holy Spirit who came with great power in Acts chapter 2. And next week we'll begin our study in Acts chapter 1. We're going to study through the book of Acts. But today I thought since this is actually... Shavat for the Jew today, 50 days since the Feast of the First Fruits. They counted the Sunday to the Sunday, 49 plus 1. This is the day I thought I just have to speak on this feast. Uh, there are three fall feasts we will not study, but Ruth was read, the book of Ruth. Uh, the tradition says that she accepted the law on this day. Others say that she and David both died on Shabbat, this feast of, first, first, uh, feast of weeks, excuse me. And so that's why they would read Ruth and Peter in his sermon addressed David. But, you know, the Jewish customs, a lot of those are just, uh, uh, their hard-heartedness has caused them to just stick with their customs. Just like now going back to the law and not realizing the Holy Spirit came exactly as God had, had planned 
50 days after Jesus Christ was resurrected. The Jews would decorate the synagogue and read Ezekiel chapter 1, and then they would read Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 20, the last verse of Habakkuk through the rest of the book, chapter 3, and they would read those which talked about his coming with brightness and glory. Both those passages talk about that. And then the Jews would stay up all night talking about the coming, the potential coming of Messiah. Well, he'd already come. He'd already come. They actually, for 1,500 years, read all of Psalm 119, the night and the day of the, the, this feast, anticipating his coming. And they would, then in the morning, they'd go pray at the Western Wall. They just wanted him to come so badly. And of course, he did come, and they missed him. But 50 days after his resurrection, resurrection, the Holy Spirit would usher in this great, great revival where everyone heard the gospel in their own language. Wasn't that something? And the Jews had come from so many countries to celebrate this feast. And of course, that's when the gospel was preached in the language, miraculously, of their nation. And the people who, who, who spoke didn't even know those languages. God miraculously gave them that language. So let's read here chapter 23, verses 15 to 17. Let's stand together. And ye shall count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day that ye brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. Even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall you number 50 days. The day after the Sabbath will be Sunday, so they count 50 days, falls on this day. And ye shall offer a new meal offering unto the Lord. Ye shall bring out of your habitations two wave loaves of two tenth deals, that they shall be of fine flour. They shall be baked with leaven. They are the first fruits of the Lord. God bless us today as we take a look in your book for a walk in the world. I need you to guide my thoughts, to help me to say what needs to be said. And I know, Lord, people are here that are needy, and I just pray that we can help them with the Word of God. We know this Word of God is alive, and we know it's living. It speaks to our hearts, and so I pray that it'll speak to hearts this morning. I don't know what's going on in everyone's hearts, but you do, and I pray today you bless. In Jesus' name, amen. We know that this is the final feast. Um, the Talmud and the rabbis referred to it as the concluding feast. It's named several different things. But think of the comparison between the Feast of Weeks and how it was celebrated in the past and today. They looked back to the Pentateuch. We look, we look uh, back as well, but the Christians of the early church would look ahead. And they waited, they tarried, waiting for the Spirit to come with great power. And we know that, that that took place in Sinai, the given of the law, where Jerusalem was the location of Pentecost. Uh, the, the Sinai is interesting because I studied that a lot this week and a lot of different ideas on where it was. Moses was 40 years in Midian, the other side of the Red Sea. Uh, the Red Sea kind of branches off like that, and he was on the far side. And some scholars believe that he traveled over part of the Red Sea and the, the Egyptians hurried and trapped them up against the edge of the Red Sea and that's where God worked his miracle. But remember, Moses was following a light, you know, a light by night and a cloud by day. So he was going exactly where God would lead him. God had this all planned out because he's God, you know. Lamentations, great is his faithfulness. And he was faithful to his people. They weren't always faithful to him. 
But uh, Paul says Mount Sinai is in Arabia, which would be modern today Saudi Arabia, and maybe in the very region where Moses had spent so much time. And a lot of scholars believe Sinai is in Mount Sinai, but Mount Sinai, the name there is, the Mount, or Sinai Peninsula is a name that's only a few hundred years old. So I, I'm not sure, but I believe probably God led Moses to an area he was familiar with in, in Midian, and that's where Mount Sinai was. But you know what? It's like so many other things. We don't know all the answers. We trust God. We know we have the law, and God gave it at Sinai. Uh, and of course, we know that uh, 50 days after the Feast of the First Fruits, they would celebrate this. 50 days after the resurrection, uh, we, we also celebrate th this, uh, this feast. We don't celebrate it as Christians. We could, but the Jews do. At the giving of the law, there was fire, wasn't there? And there were fiery tongues. Yeah here in Pentecost. We know that 3,000 people died because they weren't patient to wait for the law. They worshiped a calf. But at Pentecost, 3,000 people were saved. So there's some interesting comparisons there. Isaiah prophesied that a Redeemer would come and later the Spirit would come and empower people. I love Acts 1.8, and you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. And they were. I mean, people came from all over the world and heard the gospel in their own language. Jeremiah talked about a new covenant. Jeremiah chapter 31. That should also be on the screen. Do you have those on the screen, Kenneth? I'm sorry. Uh, we, we had uh, Ezekiel 312 on there and then Jeremiah 30. Yeah, there we go. Uh, this is a new covenant God promised. But the Jews would not accept this new covenant until the tribulation period. Individual Jews would be saved. But they rejected the Lord. And so we know that God promised he would write it on their hearts. I love 2 Corinthians 3, 2 and 3. Ye are our epistle, known and read of all men. You're not written on tables of stone with ink, but on the, with the Spirit of God on tables of the heart. God lives in you. The Holy Spirit never leaves you. And the Word of God is in you. The word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. And so I love that. But we know that one day the Jews will be saved. Now we're going over to look at Joel. So turn with me to Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. Tell you a little story about when I was a young guy. You didn't know I was a young guy. I'm already 39, but uh, and my son's 41, so that didn't work. Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah. Uh, Hosea, Joel, I'm sorry. Joel chapter 2. I'm going to Joel because Joel is a passage partially fulfilled in the, tribulation, in the, in the church age in the, at Pentecost. And ultimately, it'll be fulfilled in the tribulation period. So we want to look at that today. And I'll tell you a story about when I was in middle school or maybe sixth grade. Our middle school and high school at, at a church in Oklahoma, a Baptist church, we, we did a program and we sang a little song, and the, the song uh, kind of goes like this. Um, two men walking up a hill, one is taken, one's left standing still, and my friend, will you be ready? And I can't sing. You know, I, if I played the violin, it would be an unforgettable experience for each of you. But I sing that song. And afterwards, one of the men was not happy. And I was young, and I, I just thought, well, these grouchy old men, what are they doing talking about our... Well, the song's unscriptural. That song is really about two men walking up the hill about the second advent, not the rapture. And in fact, there's a lot of songs that sometimes we sing and, and they're not scriptural. We didn't sing any unscriptural ones this morning, but my point is this. 
All signs given are signs of the return of the Lord to the earth. The rapture's imminent. It could happen at any time, including right now. But the signs are all for the uh, second advent. I think John Hague is a wonderful man. He's a brother. I love him. He stands for Israel. But he had a series in like 18 and 19, 2018 and 19, about these moons, these double uh, total eclipses that were going to come. And the Lord had to come by 2022. And he had it all laid out. Thousands of tapes and DVDs. And people at my church uh, in Saudi bought them and came and said, we're excited. The Lord's coming. And I said, that's not scriptural. I said, the signs of the great things that are going to happen in space are signs for the second advent. They'll be fulfilled in the tribulation period. Oh, pastor, we think you're wrong on this one. Well, he didn't come. <laughs> you know, he could come today and he could have come. But you can't base it on prophetic statements that are about his return to the earth when he lands on the Mount of Olives and establishes that kingdom. That's what all signs point to. The rapture, as we always say, could happen at any moment. But look at Joel 2.28, because this was partially fulfilled in the book of Acts, chapter 2. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and young men shall see visions. Verse 31, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved or delivered is what it is in the Old Testament. So the, 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 uh, the prophetic statement here in verse 31 was the one that was misinterpreted. Uh, and they went to the, they pointed out the fact that, uh, you know, there, there's going to be two uh, full, full eclipses and that doesn't ever happen. But the problem is, it happened, uh, it's happened a several times in history. And while it did happen twice in 2022, we know that the Lord didn't come. So hats off to a wonderful brother who's enthusiastic about the return of the Lord. But the Bible says we don't know the day or the hour, and we have to be very careful setting dates. Do I believe he's coming? Yes. John and Paul thought he was going to come in their lifetime. I believe that, and I pray, come Lord Jesus. There's nothing in this world that satisfies me. Love not the world, neither the things of the world. Let me tell you something. I have absolutely no desire for the worldly things. When I was young, I did, but now I'm just looking forward to the Lord coming. I don't care about a bigger house and a newer car and all that. I'm just thankful to be in Christ, and I look forward to him getting us out of this ugly, evil world because it's in a mess. And so we look forward to his coming. But I love it that he tabernacles with us. He indwells in our lives. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And quite often people misinterpret Thessalonians where it talks about the Spirit being taken out of the way. Listen, when we're raptured, you take all the believers whose bodies possess the Spirit out of this world and there's not going to be anything holding them back. Now, the Holy Spirit's omnipresent, so he's always going to be here. He's always existed. You know, he, it's not like he just was born at Pentecost. Like the cults say Jesus was born in Bethlehem. That's his beginning. No, Jesus existed forever and ever and ever because he's God. 
And the Spirit of God is God in spirit. And so we know that Pentecost is a great thing. We're going to study that. What a miracle it was. And someone asked me two weeks ago, Pastor, do you believe in miracles? I absolutely do. God can do anything but fail. He can do anything but sin. He can do anything but lie because he's God. So we, we don't doubt his ability to do anything he wants to do. But for a moment, let me mention a few offerings, and then we're going to look at this matter of the Holy Spirit. The offerings uh, on, on this day included a free will offering. And Deuteronomy put that up there, if you will, guys. This was an offering that included rejoicing and, and a free will offering, everyone's desire to give. The Passover feast didn't include a free will offering. The reason being was the cross was a bitter necessity for our Lord. You see, without the shedding of blood, there'd be no remission of sins. That, 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 that had to happen. He had to die because our sin had to be paid for. The feast included, uh, uh, you know, uh, the sin offering, which speaks of Christ meeting our needs. And the sin offering really was for unintentional or ignorant sins. You know, sometimes we do something unintentional or ignorant. It's still wrong. Ignorance is no excuse. You've heard that over the years. Like sometimes you're driving along and you're not paying attention. And you go right through a red light. And your wife or your kids say, you just ran a red light. I did? No, I didn't. Yes, you did. And all of them say, yes, you did. But of course, your dad say so you're right. All five of them are wrong. And uh, you know how that goes. And then you realize, wow, I, you know, I, that was wrong of me. And if the police officer pulled me over, I, I couldn't say to him, it was a sin of ignorance. I didn't mean to. He'd say, buddy, it's the law. So they had offerings for that. But the feast didn't include a trespass offering because Christ became sin for us. He never sinned but he became sin for us. Also, the other offerings included a meal offering, which was you, they used new meat or grain. New meat means meal. And it spoke of perfection. They had an, a burnt offering, which spoke of devotion. And the burnt offerings, they'd burn everything up. See, the priest could eat of some of the offerings, but the burnt offering, the reason God was upset with Eli's sons is because they ate an offering that was supposed to be God's. The reason he was upset with the children of Israel after Jericho is they partook of the goods that were supposed to be given to God. The first always goes to God. And so we know they had uh, several offerings, a burnt offering. Everything was burnt up, several animals included. I'm not going to get into all that today. They had also a, 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 a sacrifice called a peace offering, which spoke of communion. All these offerings. But the one I want to mention in our text is the wave offering. The wave offering. They'd offer this wave offering to God. And the wave offering consisted of two loaves of bread. And they would use leaven. Remember in the Passover, they used unleavened bread because he is sinless. But they used leaven in these wave offerings because it speaks of us and what? We're sinners. Now there's leaven in that bread. Now the Jews say that the wave offering, these two loaves they made, the text talks about two loaves, represented the two tables of the law. They're always looking back to the law. But we believe something different. So we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 2. Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. This wave offering speaks of fellowship, of two being one. There's so many scriptures I could read today, but I want to just uh, stay in a couple of books, try to make it simple, because we have three or four more books to go to. We're not going to use the screen for these. I want you to look these up. Let your fingers do the walk, in Bell South used to say. 
And uh, mark your Bibles. But I love Ephesians chapter 2. One day we'll go through an epistle, and, and that's a completely different type of preaching. But I love Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. It says here that in time, that at that time you were without Christ. He's talking about the Gentiles being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. He's talking to the Ephesians. He said, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's, what, that's where Ephesus was. They didn't have God. And without God, you don't have any hope. You, 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 you can invest in the lottery or you can build a pension, but that's all hopeless. Only the Lord gives us hope. But now is Christ Jesus but now in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. What happened? God grafted in the Gentiles. He saved them. Verse 18 and verse 19. It says here, may, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. Love these words. It's talking about, uh, I'm, in the wrong, I'm in the wrong chapter, but I, I love these words. It says here in verse 18, I, I skipped a page. For through him we both have access by one spirit into the Father. We both. Who's he talking about? Jews, Gentiles. He says, verse 19, now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. God brought Jews and Gentiles together. We believe, as Christians have believed for many years, that the two loaves represents the, represent the Jew and the Gentile being one, being one in Christ. Love that. And so we're going to go in a few moments to Titus. But right now, just let me mention a couple verses. Romans 6, 4 says, we're buried with him in baptism. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13, if you put that up there for me. It says, by one spirit, we're all baptized into one body. Now, that's interesting. You know, the, the, the teaching that the Holy Spirit baptizes is, is not scriptural. We are baptized, but the, the Holy Spirit isn't the one doing the baptizing. John said that the Lord Jesus, he said, I'll baptize you with water. And there's going to be one coming along much greater than I that's going to baptize you with the Spirit with the Spirit. And all four Gospels say that. Yeah. You got to understand that. Jesus places us into the Spirit. It's not the Spirit that does the, the placing. It's the Lord Jesus. He baptizes us into the Spirit. I love that. And I can give you the scriptures on that. Matthew 3.11. Let's just go to Matthew 3.11. I wasn't planning on going there. So if you want to wait where you are or go to Titus, you can. But I want to point this out. And it says it four times. All four Gospels say it. Matthew chapter 3. Verse 11, it says right here, <clears throat> I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh later, cometh after me, is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Four times it says that. So it's the Lord that places us into the Spirit. The Spirit is part of the Godhead. I told somebody years ago, I got an ugly uh, note someone wrote me because I said, when you trust Jesus Christ, you automatically get the whole package. You don't have to wait for the Spirit of God. He's there. He's part of the Trinity. And so we're thankful for being baptized in the Spirit. The Lord did that. When we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior, you know what happens? We're baptized with the Holy Spirit by the Lord. I love that the Spirit's part of my life. I don't have to wait 
50 days. The 50 days from the Feast of the First Fruits was to wait for his coming, and they tarried, they waited, and it happened. I love that, but that's past tense. When I trusted Jesus Christ, I got the whole Trinity. Someone wrote me and said, well, this and that, and kind of an ugly note, and I thought, that's okay. Uh, you may not, the way you wrote the note, I thought he didn't have the Holy Spirit in him because he didn't have Jesus. But anyway, we believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we believe that Jesus Christ made it happen. But they had these two loaves, and they had leaven. We know that because we're sinners. And while the Jews try to go back to Pentecost, it's something they kind of created over the years. We believe this speaks of the Jews and the Gentiles being one. Now go to Titus. Uh, Titus, and we'll go to John and then Ephesians again, and we'll be done. We'll talk about several of these terms. And I will slow down and do a little more methodical teaching when we go through Acts. Uh, so tonight's kind of an introductory message to Acts, a great transitional book. But we want to he go here to Titus. Titus chapter 3. And there are so many terms that we use of the Holy Spirit, yet I want to just teach you correctly uh, what they mean, if I can ever find Titus after 40-some years of preaching. Here we go. Titus chapter 3, verse 5. Love this verse. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to what? His mercy he saved us. You're not saved by what you've done. For by grace we say, through faith, not of works. Clearly he lays this out, but we got to read the rest of this verse. But according to his mercy, he saved us by what? The washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. So a term you may hear is the regeneration of the Spirit. What is that, Pastor? It's when he moves inside and washes you out. You know what the word is, the Greek word? All the military people probably know it. It's the word latrine. Frank said when he was in the military, they asked, if somebody want to volunteer to be the latrine orderly? And Frank raised his hand, yes, didn't know what it was. <laughs> That's not the greatest job, but the cleaning's necessary, right? And the Holy Spirit takes up residence and he cleans me up and he points out all the yuck in my life. And, and, and when I want to do something, my flesh wants to do something, he says, that's dirty, get rid of it. And he lives in me. He lives in me. Christ is in me. God is in me. The Bible said the whole package, the whole, whole trinity, I shouldn't call it a package, the whole person of God is in us. And he never leaves me nor forsakes me. So we've been washed, and it was a dirty job, but the Lord did it. Second of all, another term you heard, the indwelling of the Spirit. We're going to go to John 14. The indwelling of the Spirit, another term that's, Quite often I'll read it in a book and I'll, I'll uh, hear it mentioned, I'll hear it preached, different people on TV and radio. But I want to go to John chapter 14 here for a moment, and that'll be on the screen as well if you don't want to look it up. But listen to John 1.12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them who believe in his name. So when you believe in his name, you have the authority to be a child of God because you put faith in him. John, uh, Galatians 4, 6 says, And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You didn't have a choice in the matter. When you trusted Jesus to become a child of God, he sent his Spirit into your heart. And you call him Daddy, Daddy. I love my Heavenly Father. 
Talked to him today, talked to him yesterday. I've had a great week with him. Every week's a great week with him. Amen. Except the times when I sin, that's not a very good moment. But if I confess my sin, he'll take the catheter and stick it in and all the yuck comes out. I love him for that because he renews my fellowship because of his faithfulness. Great is his faithfulness. So we find here John 14, 17, which is on the screen, I believe, and I could look up there, but I've got it here. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him for he what? dwelleth in you, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. It's not that complicated. He lives in you. Your body's the temple. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. You know the verses. Our body is the temple of God. You just think of that. When you walk in a place, you make those who don't know the Lord uncomfortable just by your presence because you're a child of God and you live differently. I remember a guy, a big tough military guy. I'd go in the shop at whenever he'd see me, he'd go out. He'd, I'd see him, they had these mirrors up in the corner to watch the shoplifters and I got a kick out of it. I'd walk in, he'd see me and he'd, because he had made a commitment, he was going to get in church and he's going to get right. So he feared me like you wouldn't believe. I wouldn't have said a word to him. But boy, he was afraid of the preacher. I'd walk in, I'd watch him on the mirror. He'd see me, he'd, I'd watch him go out the door and I'd think, oh my word. So obvious, several times. And why? The, the Spirit of God is in me, and the world doesn't have the Spirit of God. And the Word of God is alive, and, and you know that because you can talk to people about Jesus, and they're uncomfortable if they don't know Him. They don't want to talk about, you're pressuring me. You ever had somebody say that? You hadn't pressured them a bit. You just said, hey, I'd like you to come to church. Don't pressure me. Well, I'd like you to go to the racetrack with me. That's not pressure. But boy, the Spirit of God in your life is powerful. Listen to his still small voice. So we talk about the indwelling. We also talk in Ephesians chapter 1. You know where I'm going. The sealing of the Holy Spirit. Pastor, what does that mean? Well, I'll briefly give you two more points and then we'll, uh, we'll call it a day. But I, I love the fact that he guides me. Did you know? I sing the little chorus. He leadeth me, he leadeth me by his own hand, he leadeth me. I love that. He guides me. Scripture says he guides me. He leads me. Scripture says he comforts me. The Bible says he assists me in prayer. Do you know when I'm praying, you know what happens? He'll put a thought on my mind of someone to pray for. So I pray. Help Chuck because he's insisting. Thank you, Lord, that he had a, an ability to go to the bathroom yesterday, a good amount, a measurable amount. He's been on the dialysis. He'll be back in church. He, he saw, I saw him a couple days ago. He said, we're joining the church as soon as we get back. 68 years old, had a massive heart attack. Boy, oh boy, it was a scary moment. But you know what happens when I pray? The Lord brings him to mind. He brings others to mind. Sometimes I say, Lord, I... Am I forgetting someone? He'll bring someone else to mind. We can pray in the Spirit. And we can, we, he, 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 we, he's with us in prayer. He's, he helps us to witness. He teaches us. The greatest truths I've ever discovered, we're in the study with the Holy Spirit as my guide, the teacher. I have great books. And sometimes he gives me a thought. And I go in there and, well, they had that in their book. How come I never saw that? He brought it to my mind. He gives us spiritual gifts, doesn't he? 
He helps us to have the fruit of the Spirit. And you're waiting for me in Ephesians, I know. Chapter 1, we'll talk about the sealing of the Holy Spirit. Look what it says. In whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. It's just all laid out there. In whom after ye were, after ye believed, ye were sealed with the Holy Spirit a promise. And chapter 4, verse 30 says, we're sealed until the day of redemption. What is that day of redemption when God changes our body? Do you know the Spirit of God has sealed you? He's in you. He's never going to leave you. He sealed you until the day he redeems your body. The last step of our salvation is the glorification of our body. It's the one I look forward to the most. <laughs> Romans gives us those great doctrines, condemnation, justification, but glorification is the final one in Romans, and that's when God changes us. That's a forced change. We get a new body. I like that, but we're sealed until that day. And finally, Ephesians 5.18, we're not going to turn there, but it says, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a word that means to be controlled. You know, moment by moment, we need to listen to him. Sometimes I'm in the middle of saying something I shouldn't say. And you know what he does? He says, don't finish that sentence. And sometimes I finish it anyway. And sometimes I'm driving and he says, you're just a little too close. And I'm, well, he needs to hurry up. <laughs> That's what he does. And when you're fussing with one another, the old nature feels so good when it says something. To the, to the spouse, you get that point in, but it never helps the marriage, does it? It may help the argument. I was studying this week on husbands love your wives. It's an imperative. We're commanded to do it. And, and, and so that's why I love my wife. I'm commanded to. There's other reasons, but that's the first one. God says, love them. Love unconditionally. And we have to love God. And that word agape is a great word. You know that. That God loves us to, enough to send his son. And we need to love him enough to obey his spirit in us. And his word which teaches us day by day. I don't know your heart today, but if you don't know the Lord, he's not living in you. And you have to be uncomfortable under the word. Let me tell you something. He's a wonderful savior. I've never met a, a truly born-again child of God that has ever regretted trusting Jesus. I'll never forget the day. I don't know what day it was. It was the summer of when I was 11 or 12 years old, that summer in between there. And I remember being on my knees and trusting him. I was going to church, First Baptist in Okemos. And then the next week, I'd, I'd sin during the week. And next week, I'd pray and receive him again. And my Sunday school teacher said, you don't need to do that, but you need to learn 1 John 1, 9. <laughs> oh, that's a great verse. Folks, listen. If you have sin in your life and you're a believer, your fellowship is broken. You're, you have no fellowship. He says he doesn't hear your prayer. That's right. Until you admit your sin. Until you agree with him. And if you're not a believer, he's not going to answer prayers until you repent. That's the first prayer he answers is when you repent and trust him as Savior. If you're here today and you need to come forward for any reason, our church doors are always open, but if you need to come be, to be saved or to, to just get someone to pray with you, our altars are open. But what a great weekend we have to celebrate our country and again, celebrate our Christian family. The Lord, thank the Lord 
for sending Jesus to be our Savior. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. And Lord, I just trust that it never returns void, that there's someone here that it may have helped, encouraged, rebuked, whatever the sword has done. We know it's a two-edged sword. Lord, we just thank you for all you've done for us. For, 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 for me being saved and then being part of the greatest country in the world. And to have a Christian family, to be reared by Christian parents and grandparents and have children who love Jesus and grandchildren and I'll be saved. God, I couldn't ask for a better life. Before eternity, I'll be celebrating with you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And we praise you today for all you've done for our country, for our families, for answering prayer, and for folks in the church.